0: USA! USA! Welcome USA, to the Independence Day special USA, of Madcap. I'm David Ross. And I'm Daniel Bloom. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died We do love our country, but here at Madcap, we also love the truth.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound.
0: Yes, they fought savagely, for
2: they were a primitive people, and self-preservation is a primitive instinct.
3: As Aboriginal people, everything we do is political. You know, there's no, there's no divide between the spiritual, the everyday, the political. It's all part of the same thing. But also, as Aboriginal people, everything has been done in this society to stop us from being here. So just getting up in the morning, putting on your clothes, and going and getting a cup of coffee is political because everything's been done to try to stop that. Would you please state your name for the people? I'm Bear Witness. DJ Shub, DJ
1: Indian. This is A Tribe Called Red in Washington, D.C. They're called Native Americans in the U.S. and First Nation in Canada, but by any name, they've gotten a raw deal since the white man
0: arrived on these shores. A Tribe Called Red is a trio from Canada who sets fire to centuries of stereotypes and subjugation by using authentic powwow music, sick modern production, and cutting irony, on display in this remix of the Atlanta Braves' Tomahawk Chop.
1: We caught up with a tribe called Red ahead of their show at Tropicalia, one of our favorite venues, in late May we decided to give the guys a tour of historic U Street, starting at the intersection of 14th Street
0: Northwest in Washington, D.C. This is beautiful. U Street. It's a wonderful warm night. U Street. Incense to my left and let's start walking. It seemed appropriate to begin with a history lesson about what happened on
1: this corner 45 years ago. So we're walking on historic street 14th and U. This was a street that's well known for being the source of uh, protests. This is the epicenter of the 68
0: protests oh, yeah. after MLK got got assassinated. All raw shit took place here in 68. Like a lot a lot of building, there's a lot, well you should see H Street because H Street's the a street that like there's a lot of buildings that have been closed down since 68 and didn't open to like 08, 09. We're like abandoned. Crazy. I mean it completely like, re- like shifted the city completely. The riot began
2: at 14th and U. It's a people's drug. And they moved upward. They're looting my store, and the police said, I'm sorry, sir, there's
0: nothing we can do. They're looting up and down 14th Street. It was a time of rage, fear. It was emotions were just all over the place. It was something that had to boil over because the hurts and all the suffering that we have gone through. The whole city, you know, was in shock from the murder of Martin Luther King. But there was no surprise that there was a reaction like that. And nobody really felt that it was unjustified. I guess that's where you go into the division between the white and the black Washington again. You know, Washington was and is a segregated city, a very segregated city. And when you have two cultures, particularly one culture that's not being respected, you have to expect things like that are gonna happen.
1: he can always raise an argument
0: about law and order because he never talks about justice but black people fall for that same argument and they go around talking about lawbreakers we did not make the laws in this country we are neither mor- morally nor legally confined to those laws those laws that keep them up keep us down you got to begin to understand that for 400 years she taught you white nationalism and you left it up You taught it to your children. You had your children thinking that everything black was bad. Black cows don't give good milk. Black hens don't lay eggs. Black for funerals, white for weddings. That's white nationalism. Santa Claus. A white honky who slides down a black chimney and comes out white. The words of H. Rap Brown.
1: So this group got started out of a desire to... Express yourselves musically, and there was like a, a a weekly party or a regular party that you guys started around 2008. What's the story yeah, behind that?
3: Like... In 2007, we started a party called the Electric Powwow in Ottawa, just with the goal to showcase ourselves as Aboriginal DJs, doing something positive in the city, as well as throw a party for directed at our community. It's something that that hadn't really been done before, and people from all
1: over ended up showing up at this party, not just from nearby in Ottawa, right?
3: Uh, yeah, well, for the first ones, were really were really crazy because it was full of Aboriginal people who we didn't necessarily know from the community, so it was sold like we had sold out parties full of like unfamiliar faces, uh, and the reaction that we were getting from people was that we were doing something that was necessary, something that 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 needed to happen uh for our community and that we couldn't stop it was something that we had to keep up with
1: Did you feel a little bit of pressure on that too as well as joy
3: no i don't know if it was pressure so much as like getting that okay from our community because what since what we're doing you know using words like powwow and using sampling powwow music and that kind of stuff you have to get that support from the community or else you're, you're doing something wrong.
0: So you answered my question, I was gonna ask why that was why that was important.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean like it's one of the most important things I think uh, as far as, you know, especially making music and stuff like that and making music that's uh, culturally is is a part of you, you know, support and surrounding yourself with positive things like that is, you know, the best thing for you, I think, on the road.
4: Yeah, and, uh, like, with um, with First Nations, it, you know, there was a cultural ban, right? Like, we weren't allowed to practice ceremony. We weren't even allowed to dance in Canada. Um, it was, like, frowned upon and stuff. So, the fact that we can, like, do this now and throw a party, really says something about how, how things are moving right now, as far as, like, First Nations and, and civil rights in, in Canada. And also how, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that it's been, at one time it was illegal, so a lot of uh, those, those traditions and stuff are, are kept like really, really close to the chest, right? Like, you know, they don't want to share it very much anymore because it was taken away from them already. And Ecclesiastes assures us
1: that there is a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to laugh, and a time to weep time to mourn and there is a time to dance and there was a time for this law but not anymore see this is our time to dance it is our way of of celebrating life that's the way it was in the beginning it's the way it's always been that's the way it should be now
4: so to get that approval means a lot because, you know, if they say it's not cool, then we, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing.
1: Your album, Nation to Nation, we were checking that out in preparation for this interview excellent piece of work guys first of all.
0: Yeah amazing. So
1: we want to talk about some of those songs and you mentioned the, the history of kind of why it's important to, to be out there and and living your life as activists but uh, I heard this song The Road and The Road really blew me away when I read a little bit about that you all are paying uh, paying tribute to a group called Idle No More can you guys talk a little bit about
4: that? Uh, yeah that's the, that's kind of the civil rights movement that I was talking about. What happened with Idle No More was uh, the, the politicians started pushing through um, all these legislations and stuff and then like omnibus bills and, and just kind of forcing and, uh, and making changes to stuff that they really didn't have power to make changes on. Like in, in Canada we have something called the Indian Act that governs First Nations and uh, our, our daily lives. We actually have to carry cards to prove that we're native. So they were making changes to the Indian Act without, without consulting any First Nation people, which is completely illegal. So when that started happening, that's when like the First Nation people were like, all right, we need to organize and, and start demonstrating. And using social media to do it for the first time was, was spectacular. Yeah, It was really, really cool.
1: Chief Teresa Spence. Yeah. And a crew of all women founded Idle No More. That's right. That's pretty impressive.
4: Yeah, they're kind of two separate things that were happening. It was uh, the women in, in uh, Saskatoon that they were all lawyers and they were the ones that like coined the term Idle No More and uh, you know, used the hashtag to start spreading that message. And uh, Chief Spence, you know, she's <laughs> she's still going through tons of stuff with her reserve um, Attawapiskat it's called and it's just like deplorable and you know it's way up north like near the Arctic Circle sort of stees. so it gets cold and they don't have housing and like there's people living in like shacks and stuff like that and then recently they just cut uh, everyone had to move out because all their their sewers got backed up near their houses But yeah so she she went on a hunger strike she's like all right we need to talk about this something needs to be fixed so she she went on a hunger strike I think it lasted like I don't know, five weeks or something like that. And, uh, yeah, we, she kind of got what she wanted done, but, uh, you know, it was weird stipulations and stuff. But, yeah, she, she's a hero.
1: This is Madcap, the 4th of July special, and we're spending time with Bear Witness, DJ Shubb, and DJ Endian, better known as A Tribe Called Red. You know, talking about this group of activist, upstart women, that gets me thinking about your song, SISTERS. But SISTERS is also like a club banger. I mean, SISTERS is like a real dancey tune as well, so what, what, what went into that production?
3: Uh, well, I think like one of the really unique things about that track is that um, since with the we have a new we have a relationship with this album with a record label called Tribal Spirit, we're a powwow record label, and they kind of opened up their catalog to us to remix whatever we wanted. But also through our discussions with them, have started to be able to get multi-track recording of powwow music. Like usually powwow music is just recorded on a single mic, and so you get the drum and all the singers together. But, uh, on this one, on this particular recording, they did multi-tracks uh, not only from the drum, but from the different singers. In Palo singing, women sing backup. Right? They don't sing lead parts, so you only ever hear them in the background. But since we had them just on separate tracks, we were able to just sa- start sampling the, the female vocalists. So that's what, that's what Sisters grew out of, was being able to, to, to let just the female vocalist shine on that track.
1: Madcap, the 4th of July episode. Our guests are indigenous DJs and producers, A Tribe Called Red.
0: Can we shift to uh, musical influences? Uh, First, start off, favorite Tribe Called Quest songs?
2: (laughs) Yeah, award tour is one of my favorite. Remixed that uh, Tribe Awards, mixed that with uh, with another drum group called um, the Tribe. So it was kind of like a, a trifecta of uh, yeah, Tribe, Tribe, tri- 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 yeah, so. like Tribe. Yeah, so trifecta. <laughs>
4: Uh, you know what? Dave Natta and like Titsworth, they were big, big influences on me when I first started playing music. <laughs>
3: Four. Me, I'm I'm a reggae dancehall guy. I love my dancehall, my jungle, anything raga. Right now, I'm like loving the new Vibes album. Vibes Cartel did an album with uh, Dre Skull, doing the production on it, and it's a phenomenal dancehall. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, you hear me? Do you want to know the ear in the light, babe? Don't tell freestylin' all righty I don't like it, come back, babe Ha ha ha
3: ha ha Did you We have decided to find the leadership of our own To make ourselves free men Oh yeah, Kongo Nadi's coming out with a new album right now yeah, out of the UK, like Jungle coming back hard with the Raga too. in the
2: jungle,
3: well mystical. You ever listen to GoGo? Yeah, we were talking about Go-Go last night, actually. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, it's dope. Very percussive. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, when we were playing in uh, Shepherdstown last night. A friend of ours was like, "Yo, you guys got to play Go-Go if you're playing in, uh, in right. DC.
0: Uh, any of you all playing any instruments growing up?
2: Uh, I played. I played tons of like instruments growing up. You know, I was guitar, bass, you know, and drums, guitar,
0: guitar <laughs> slide guitar. Is there any guitar
2: tonight? <laughs> I, you know I what? I, I didn't bring my guitar, so no. Well,
0: what type of guitar do you
2: have? What type of guitar do you have? You know, your standard Roland uh, K10s.
0: R seven. Your standard, see this is blowing my mind because I don't have a guitar. So it's not standard for me. Can you play a harmonium as well? Uh
2: once in a while. Yes.
4: I played in uh, a couple punk bands growing up. I was a drummer. What was the name of the punk band? Uh, The ripcords out of Montreal. Uh, You can find it anywhere. They're like a pretty big punk band in in Canada. They built it up, it's up to us, it must come down. Seven gates
0: above or insults, it must come down. Freedom isn't given, it's
2: right.
4: was also like a, like a native drummer, like I, I was in a powwow group when okay. I was a kid. Who was the leader of the drum, the drum group? We like to shout out the, oh. the, the elders, you know, respect <laughs> who taught you. It was a dude named Forrest Horn, who's uh, from Gonawaga actually, where, where Buddha's from.
1: traveling around all these different parts of the world and interacting with native peoples from all different kinds and all different places how does your music vibe with people from all over?
4: Uh, we haven't really traveled too much outside of like North America than like you know Germany and, and England sort of thing so over there we didn't really run into very indigenous people you know what I mean? So, so I'm thinking in places like the Southwest maybe places like New Orleans uh, yeah, yeah yeah when we play like like other places like in, in North America we always run into like you know other natives and it's it's always like we get invited over for dinner sometimes and we get invited you know to hang out after or whatever it's it's awesome we love it
0: food food is always a plus
4: yeah that's a, that's the point can't have culture without food right <laughs> you're right
1: do you think the internet overall helps bring people together or drives people apart
4: for I don't know more and for a tribe called red the internet has been you know, instrumental into any of our successes. So yeah, I think it brings people together, for sure. Even like musically, you know, like, we get to link up and do stuff with like, Javier Estrada out of like, Monterey, Mexico, just through like, emailing each other, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's making like, Indigenous producers all over the world, like, be able to do mixes like that over the internet. Well, that's
1: an exciting idea. I mean, we're talking about Ottawa down to Monterey. That's skip, right. Skip USA completely. That's right. That's and right. have you guys working with you know cumbia and powwow music together. That's really exciting proposition.
4: Yeah, yeah it's great.
1: Before we leave the album completely, I got to ask you about Tonto's revenge, because it's kind of a nice reply to the most infamous Indian caricature in the culture. You know, Johnny Depp is about to play Tonto in the remake.
2: <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Say it ain't so, Johnny. What's yeah. going on with that?
2: Did you like the Lone Ranger in those days? I did. I liked. I liked watching
1: the series. I was always somewhat confused about Tonto's uh, position. I was. I always thought, well, why does Tonto go and have to do this and mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Why is he sending the Indian off to go? Right, right.
4: And it, it is is so, yeah. is that different in this movie?
1: Oh, very yeah. very different, yeah. Very different.
3: I don't know, man. It's Disney, man. Like, ain't nothing good to ever come out of Disney. So aren't they?
1: Like it's, they you really think I did not expect them to re- to have the guts to reboot Lone Ranger in 2013. Like they, they did not think they were gonna take any heat for this.
3: Yeah, I don't know, man. Well, you look at all the stuff going on like that right now, you know, it blows my mind the stuff that comes out and people aren't thinking like, you know, (laughs) they're not thinking that we're going to get mad. (laughs) They're thinking they can just sneak it by. But uh, it's, you know, people always ask like, you know, what do you see, how how things have changed with stereotypes and all that kind of stuff? Things haven't changed. (laughs) We're in the same spot we were 50 years ago with that stuff. And even worse in places, you know, when you look at the original Tonto, like the original Tonto from TV, man, that's a hero of mine. That's Jay Silverheels. Jay Silverheels was from my reservation. You know, he was a real person. He was like one of the few people of color who was on TV at that point in time. You know, so he's like actually a big figure. He founded like a whole, uh, uh stunt school and stuff like that you know so like he was yeah like there there was there's something real there with that when you but now you look at the new one yeah there's not much real about it for sure in that sense
1: love the track tonto's revenge you got any comments about that track how it was made or what influenced it uh
4: it's a banger i love that track too (laughs) they love it
1: DC, and uh, you've talked about how it's not your job to tell the Redskins to change the name, how it's up to the fans and the organization themselves, so we'll say it. We think it's time for the name to be changed. Hail to
3: the Redskins! Hail
1: victory!
0: Rain on the water. Fight for all DC!
1: debate about this right now but what it points to me is kind of an irony is that people in Western cultures are so desperate for a tribal identity that they will put a caricature of someone from a real tribe on their hat and then go drink all day and that's what passes for them to be a tribe.
0: This is Red Skin Girl by the group Northern Cree, remixed by a tribe called Red.
3: I think
1: you know everyday Western society can learn from a tribal culture that has been forgotten.
3: I think you know where things have ended up now, like especially when you look at North America and Europe and that you know that spread of Europe, the way that European culture spread, in Europe they killed their their traditional people off. They killed the people off who had the connection to the earth and knew how to live with the earth. You know, and so that that's something that's long forgotten in this culture now. And, Aboriginal people, we still have that connection, we still have that memory. So I think what's coming, we're coming to a time now where we, it's our time to remind people what that connection is, what it means to be of the earth, not only earth. Traditional
1: structures are breaking down, like the financial crisis happened to the whole world and the things that people thought were always going to be true cease to be true. So it seems to be a time to look for these kinds of old lessons.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's what happened to us during colonization. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's that cycle just coming around to finish itself or start the next cycle. Because, you know, one thing thing that's more than true is that we have to stop the cycle that we're in and find a new way to be in sync with this planet again.
1: It feels really important and really special to have you guys here in the nation's capital. Thank so, you so much. Thank you all very much for spending some time with us, and Good. thank you for coming to our town.
3: Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for the little history on this corner, too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Fourteenth Teeth and You is, is, is the beating heart of Washington, D.C. And it was back in the day. It's been for a while. We're glad it's back. So, And, and it's going to beat so feverish, so feverishly with you all being here. So. <laughs> so.
1: Special thanks to Guillaume and to DJ Buddha Blaze for helping us arrange this interview. And to the good folks at Tropicalia for hosting such a great night. A Tribe Called Red is currently touring Europe, but in the final week of July, they'll return for a month-long North American tour that concludes on the 31st of August in LA. For more information and to hear a lot more music, visit a atribecalledred.com. <laughs> Tribe Called Red on 14th and New. Thanks, you guys. Really appreciate it. Bye.
3: Madcap is produced by Dan Bloom, David Ross, and Afim Shapiro.
1: Our intern is Drew Snaticky. MadcapDC.org on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC. You can also find us every Tuesday on TBA, SeatGeek's blog. That's tba.seatgeek.com.